This is Kurt. And this is Tracy. And this is the MFG Cast. Everybody, boys and girls, nine binaries, children of all ages, welcome to another board game edition of the MFG Cast. What are we gonna do on this episode, Tracy? Well, Kurt, we are going to do a review of Seven Dragons by Looney Labs. Oh yeah! But first, but first. We're going to do Now Playing. Now Playing. We haven't done and Now Playing in a long time, have we? Did wait. I just cut you off? Yeah, boy, you jumped all over that. <laughs> I was going to say, we, Sorry. for those of you who don't remember Now Playing, because we haven't done it for so long, but Kurt already told you that, <laughs> um, we're going to do Now Playing, which just is us talking a little bit about what we've been playing lately. If you're not familiar with some of the games, or maybe it's a little... Walk down a lane of memory. Memory lane? Memory lane? <laughs> Usually p- people Boy, say walking down memory we're, lane. But, you we're know. going to maybe reminisce on some games that you've played before. Old, new, all those kinds of things. Because we've been playing a lot of games lately. Yeah, we really have. So, shall we jump right into it? Sure. Is there anything that came to the top of your head that you want to highlight right away? No. <laughs> No, there's just a lot of them. Like, well, as we're sitting here, I can see we have recently played Flapjack Flipout. That's right. Yep. By Mind the Gap Studios. That's right. Yep. One of my favorite, I think it's my favorite dexterity game ever. Yep. I'm not very good at it. So quick, 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 quick overview of this is just laying um, a whole smattering of pancakes down Face down on the other side of the pancakes are different types. So plain, blueberry, chocolate chip, pumpkin, all those kinds of things. And then there's some specialty pancakes. And you have to basically flip the pancakes. Um, You take one blindly. And if you flip it on your griddle, um, you can place it face down in front of you. But you have to remember what the pancake is. And you have to fill orders, three of them, has you win the game. Yep. And so it's kind of a race, but it's also dexterity because you have to try to catch those pancakes on your griddle without them falling off or flipping them into no man's land, um, which is what I like to do. And if you do that, then you have to throw them into the stack and then they're basically gone for the gone round. for that round. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think... Peter Newland really, I don't know, he really caught fire with this kind of game. Because even if even if you're not really good at dexterity games, I think this is still kind of a fun one to 
struggle over if you're doing oh, yeah. well. Because I'm, I'm not very good at this game either. I, just like I think you it. are. And just because I suck at it doesn't mean I don't want to play it. Um, I think there's also the fact of having to remember which pancake is which. And the types of pancakes, I think, are similar in names, like plain and pumpkin. And if you try to, like, potentially alphabetize, but the pancakes that are in front of you and stuff like that, sometimes that makes it hard because you don't know what type of pancake you're going to be able to flip. And so, good luck. Yeah. yeah I. That's where I struggle, I feel like. I feel like I struggle having to remember which is which. Because it's just like, oh, man, what was this one? You know, unless I had, like, this last time we played the game, like, I had, like, five blueberries in front of me. So I'm like, I'm never going to forget that stack. Oh, yeah. And then some pancakes are, like, split in half. So it could be half chocolate chip and half plain or half blueberry and half pumpkin. So where do you lay those in front of you face down and um there's special like i said special pumpkin or special pumpkins special pancakes that you can deem uh, another opponent's stack of pancakes as moldy and they can't use them so if you see they're collecting like a whole stack of pancakes you can place this moldy pancake that you flipped on top of it and boom it's gone and then there's also a special order i think Mm-hmm. special order card or pancake that will take um, two face-up pancakes that have been basically flipped into space, those space pancakes that people didn't catch when they were flipping them. And you can take those, and so you can try to fill orders by taking those too. Mm-hmm. So I really did explain that way more than I was <laughs> intending to, but it was actually still short and sweet. So our family really likes this game. And it's a good filler game to play. And, of course, we had to play this two or three times today, I think, because, you know, Logan wanted to just annihilate us. <laughs> which he did. Yeah. Yeah, which is funny. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask what else we've been playing. Yeah. You know, uh, actually, the th- uh, another one that I kind of see on our table that I was really excited to talk about. I'd heard a lot about this game, but... I didn't know if we'd end up picking up just because when it cut this is a drawing game and when it comes to like games where we draw and stuff like that we're not artists at all so sometimes we don't necessarily gravitate gravitate towards these games but I'd heard a lot of great things about Monstrosity. Um, it's uh, published by Deepwater Games but Eric Slauson is the um, creator on this one or the um, designer sorry I should say I don't know why I said creator but anyway. Well he created it he and sure designed did. it. He sure did. But, man, I really dig this game a ton. Just a short synopsis of what how this game runs is you've got somebody that is a... What do they call that? What do they call the person that's looking at the monster card? The witness? Yes, yes. the witness. I was going to say investigator. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the witness looks at this monster card that's been drawn up that's this special kind of monster, and all these monsters are awesomely drawn. Yeah, he used a lot of different artists. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. And um, the witness stares at this card of this monster for 20 seconds. After the 20 seconds, you have to remember kind of everything that is going on with this monster. And then for two minutes, you're basically describing to everyone else how this monster looks. So if it has 
three eyes on the left side of its head, if it's got like horns on its head, if it's got a hunchback, if it's got a tail, what kind of tail it's got, you know, all these little details. You're describing to everyone else how this kind of works out. And then after you're done with the two minutes, what you're doing is you, as the witness, you get to pick whatever you think is the best, the closest drawn thing or closest drawn monster to what you've actually actually described, basically. Yeah, so while you're, as a witness, describing this monster, the rest of the players are actually drawing it. Yeah, exactly. Sorry if I omitted that. I, I that's don't, probably I don't, I'm not sure if you said that or not, so that's why I was like, maybe I should say that? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, as, so everyone else is drawing what you're describing, which is, I think, To the best of their ability. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of detail on these monsters, so... It's nice that the witness can talk about it or describe it as the two minutes is happening, but it's overwhelming at the same time because mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh. So they said two eyes. They said six legs. They said this monster yeah. has a couple teeth that are snarly. Snarly? Yeah. Snar- Snar- snarly, gnarly, <laughs> whatever. It has one arm that's uh, sticking out of its head or something. Like, just weird things because these are just weird monster creatures. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like Kurt said, then they the witness picks before they show the monster and what the actual drawing is, who best represented that monster. Yeah. And normally if you're not playing, if you're playing more than three players in Monstrosity, which we actually hadn't played, we played this with three, it's a little different, but normally what would happen then after the witness picked what they thought was the close, closest, they would write that down in secret actually. And then the other players that are drawing these, they would actually vote for whoever they thought had the closest to what you described, even though again, you're not seeing what it is. So then you'd get a point you'd get a point from if the witness thought yours was the best and then if the crowd thought it was the best. Yep. And then what happens is is if you if you're as if you as the witness and the other people in the crowd pick the same one, then the witness actually gets a point for matching that up. But unfortunately, we had to play it a little differently cuz we only played three players, so basically all we were doing is the witness gave whoever they thought had the best or had the closest drawn monster to what you had a point, and that was it. And then we do it. Everybody, but it out. yeah, everybody gets to be the witness twice, and then the game's over, and you see how many points. But this, this game, wow! I again, I just it's it's not overly complicated to learn. It's just you know very straightforward, and but it's a lot of fun. I really like the idea of it. But again, the monsters are not basic. No. So it's like holy cow! Like what? What am I drawing? And I thought, I'm never going to be able to draw what they're describing. But you really have to use your imagination. And if it doesn't look anything like it, that's okay. Because that's just what your interpretation was. Um, the cool thing about this game, too, is it has... Is it just the one expansion right now? I'm not for certain. I'd we, have to double okay. check that. But. Well, we, have, we bought an expansion with it because it was a really good deal. And so we bought the expansion which comes with cute creatures. And so we haven't played that one yet, but they're really, really cute. So that will be fun to add those in the next time we play. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think 
it's cool to see everyone else's interpretation because, like, again, we like we were talking about we're like we're not artists, we don't draw very good, but like just seeing what people came what we came up with as we were playing this game, like I was like, that's actually pretty cool. I like the I like the idea of what we did because I felt like it ended up still being pretty awesome looking, you know. So yeah, kudos to uh, Eric Slauson for coming up with this game and Deepwater for giving you know giving it out to the masses. So yeah, yeah, very cool. What else did we play? Well, I taught Logan how to play Encore today by mm-hmm. Stronghold Games. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know what this is, it's actually... Encore was actually a game that was originally published as a game called Knocked Mall, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I don't know if that means that it's just reskinned with a new name. Possibly. Um, Probably because when they... When they brought it to America, they probably did that, I'm sure. Yeah. And I had only heard little bits and pieces about this game, but I wanted to check it out and decided one day Kurt was playing a game solo. And so I thought, well, this game is a solo game. I never play games solo, like board games solo. And this one, I learned how to play it solo and I sat down and... I, pl- I don't know how many times I played this. Yeah, you played it probably about four times in a row, I feel like. Oh my gosh, way more than that. Oh, seriously? Yeah, because I played it down here, and then when we went upstairs, I played it upstairs too. So I want to say I played it 10 plus times by myself, <laughs> trying to beat my other score. So that was cool. But basically, the gist of Encore is it's a dice rolling game. And um, you write and cross off stuff. So it's basically like this sheet of paper with a grid of colors that has stars on it and basically you start in the first column and it has dice and the dice have x's on them that are different colors and there's three dice with x's with different colors so it can have green and yellow and orange and red and blue but it can also have a black x and then there's three black dice that have numbers on them but the only number that's missing on those are the number six. And instead of number six, it has a question mark. So the question mark on that die and the black X on the white die are wilds. So if you choose to use a wild, then you have to mark it on your sheet. So basically the name of the game is you roll the dice and it varies depending on the amount of players. So for one player, you play it a little bit different, and I'm not going to get into the differences or the details or any of that kind of stuff. But basically, when you roll the dice, uh, dies. When you roll the dice, you decide which two you want to utilize. So if you want to use a green X that you rolled and a five, you can, as long as you have the capacity to cross off six green X's that are connected to something else that you've already crossed off. A benefit also is the fact if you're crossing off these stars that are on there because if you don't cross them off by the end of the game you lose two points. If you cover up all of one color you gain points for that. In more than a single player game you score uh, more points if you're the first one to cross off let's say all green. You score points if you're the first one to score in a column. And you still gain points if you are the next one to score in that column, but not as many. 
But like I said, um, you have these wild to help you also. You just have to use them wisely. And the ones that you don't use, you actually gain points at the end. So it's beneficial not to use the wild dice if you are able to avoid that. And I'm trying to think. Like, there's just a lot of variety. So I played it a lot by myself. And then I taught Logan how to play it. We were probably about three or four turns in, and he's like, I really like this game. (laughs) So I don't know. He's obviously my kid because he's into these thinky dice rolling type of games. But it's a really easy to learn game. It sounds maybe more complicated as I'm talking about it. But if you if you would see it, it's actually very easy to play and very easy to learn and a cool solo challenge yourself kind of play. But it was cool to be able to teach him how to play it today and see what it was like to play with more than one player. Yeah. 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 yeah I... I was unfortunately I haven't played this two player yet. I played it solo myself and I, I enjoyed it. I did better than I thought I did. So yeah, it looks like uh, Inca and Marcus Brand made themselves a pretty fun game. It's uh, another one of those roll and rates that's kind of a cool like you know try to do the best you can at kind of blocking out these different parts. And not everything has a has a star, so it's like you have to find ways to kind of get to those stars so you don't get those negative points and stuff like that. And there's Again, it's like these rolling rights where like there's just so much going on. So it's like, oh wait, here, let me get these stars. Oh wait a minute, let me try not to use the wilds as much. Like there's a lot of right. thinking going on. Well, and and maybe leaving that star open, that's okay because you're gonna score more points by scoring uh, by filling up all the column, um, yeah. or more than one column or something like that. So you kind of have to like figure out what the best route is or what the but what the best way is to play it. But what's nice about it is because it's dice rolling, you, you'll never play it the same way. Yeah. Because you're never going to roll the exact same rolls ever. Yeah. And maybe that's why some people won't like it, but it's cool because I mean, you can use different strategy each time. So I've tried it where I'm like, unless I really have to, I never want to use the wilds because I want to get the points and I want to be able to try to fill in whatever I can. And then one, I was like, I want to try to get all the columns. And then the other one was, I want to try to fill up all the color. And, you know, I mean, it's all these different things that you can do. But yeah. it's, I like the game a lot. Yeah, very cool. Very yeah, cool. sorry, I blabbed about that That's a lot. okay. I think I think that's pretty good. Pretty good uh, reference to what we've been playing lately. We'll probably next time we have a little our little board game conversation, we could talk about some of the other things. But yeah, because we've been we've been playing a lot. We really have, which is it's been nice. It's been especially today before the before the recording. We actually played a lot of games today, and it was actually yeah. a lot of fun. It's nice to get back to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about Seven Dragons by Looney Labs. Yeah. Um, before we get started, we just want to thank Looney Labs for. Um, trusting us um, <laughs> to review a copy of this game. You betcha. Um, they're always really good about sending us copies of their games to try out and review. So um, thank you again. So let's jump right into it. So Seven Dragons is a two to five player game, ages six and up, or as Looney Labs likes to do is six through A. So six through all. I think A stands for all. Yeah, sure. Um, It plays 10 to 30 minutes, and it's designed by Andrew Looney 
And it's featuring the artwork of Larry Elmore. Now, if you don't know who Larry Elmore is, he is a well-renowned artist, specifically known for doing art for old D&D and some Dragonlance novels. So if you're really big into D&D, you'll know who Larry Elmore is. If you're not, go take a look at some of his stuff. He's got some great art. I mean, it's very old school fantasy. I mean, it's just, it's iconic. So if you've seen any old school, like Dragonlance stuff or old D&D, you'll, you'll understand because it's mostly him. Yeah. So what? And I so so I did not know. You did not know. I'm you're sorry, not a, you're Larry. You're not a big you're not a big role player. Sorry, Larry. <laughs> but your art is beautiful. It is. It is. So what are we doing in Seven Dragons? In Seven Dragons, each player receives a goal card. So on the goal card is a color of a dragon. So there could be a black dragon, a green, yellow, or yellow or gold. Gold, I think. Red, blue, the list goes on. And that is going to be their goal. (laughs) See what I did there? On what they're trying to accomplish. So they want to be able to get seven dragons of that specific color. And then each player is dealt out three cards. Yeah. So basically, like, in pretty much, it seems like, any card game from Looney Labs, it's a, you have three cards, draw one, play one. Seems like that's been like their staple for years. Yeah. Um, so at the at the beginning of the game, there's a, I don't know how if they reference it, but it's like a card that gets laid out that is basically the starting card. What yeah, is it? Yeah, it's the Silver Dragon. Oh, the Silver Dragon. The I couldn't silver remember what it's called. The so one and only Silver Dragon. Does it have like dragon. a ring on it or something? I think it has like a portal or something on it. Yeah, so it has something on it, and it's a silver dragon, and it's basically considered a dragon of any color. To start with. To start with, yep. And also, um, so in this deck of cards that can be dealt out to any of the players, they can be um, dragons of different types of colors. They can be grids of dragons. So grids meaning like, it could be a grid of four different colored dragons on them. There could be split between two dragons. It could be one single dragon. There could be action cards, meaning you can move a card on a player, and then there's a, a color, a specific dragon color in the middle. You could trade your goal card with somebody else with, again, a specific dragon color on that action card. Um, you could rotate goals, and then we'll kind of get into all those different types of actions. So when the cards are dealt to each of the players, they could receive only dragon dragon cards that have different colors and different grids or single dragons and things like that. But they could also have these action cards in their hands that will help them um, kind of manipulate and use strategy throughout the game to work the board to be able to... Um, Line up seven dragons to win. To win. That's right. So how are we doing that when we're putting out these dragon cards? So basically when you're putting out your dragon cards, you put them aligned in a way to where at least one dragon of one color is matching the same color of its twin, basically. Yep. But it's all depending upon how you're laying the cards out. So basically you have to lay them out to where they're touching if they're side by side or on top or below. 
So you can't be, you can't place a kitty wampus. Yeah. And for those that don't mean know what kitty wampus means, it can't, it can't be like half of this card is on the other half of the card or something like that. They have to line up t- completely. So end to end, side to side, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. You is that betcha. a good way to describe it? It is a good way to describe I it. I was showing it to Kurt, <laughs> but he knows how to play the game. Yeah. And and you can, I'm sure there's something out there that kind of tells you exactly how that works out. So like, it, even if you had a four grid card where there's four different dragons on, you know, on the different parts of the grid or whatever on it, you'd have to at least match one of those with one of the other sides of a card that's already played on the table. And you get certain, you would actually, you can place them on there for regular plays, but also you can get bonuses if you match more than one dragon to one dragon. So if you matched, like, say you matched uh, two reds together and two blues, you'd actually get one extra card that you would take at the end of your turn. If you matched three dragons, you'd take two, and then if you're really good and you match four, then you would actually get three extra cards there. So how? tell them how they ma- are able to match like three dragons. Because we're placing them, well, how about I tell them? Go ahead. So a way that you're able to get collect potentially like two additional cards afterwards would be to match those three dragons. And the way you can do it is the game is almost kind of like tiling, but with cards. And so if you place one card, you could place it where you have a dragon card um, above it and one next to it on the side. And so if you have matching cards on the side of it and on the top of it, then you could, there's the potential for the match of... um, so it's kind of like a matching card game too. Yeah. Um, but don't forget, Kurt, that um, at the beginning of their turn, they actually draw a card first. Yep. Yep. And I think we kind of talked about that. We did. Just, draw one, play one kind of thing. But yep. yes, that's a good reminder. Yep. Um, another thing that we didn't mention is that there are also rainbow dragons. Yes. That uh, play as wild. So as you're playing this game, like those rainbow dragon cards actually help as far as like trying to match multiple dragons to get you those bonuses. Because, again, because you can do them on four, you can put on four sides of it if they're available or whatever, that could match you up, you know, some certain bonuses, you know, for putting down and stuff like that. And they can help you with completing your ultimate goal of the seven dragons. The seven dragons, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've kind of talked about the placement and how we're doing, you know, and how we're trying to do that. Um, Let's talk about, let's talk about our... Action cards. Is that what, the, 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 what those yep. are? Okay. Yep. Yeah, let's talk about the action cards. So you've got different action cards that kind of help you throughout the game, but they also have another purpose. Yes. So when you're putting your action card down, so say like you've got one where it's a trade hands. So with the trade hands card, you're putting it in the middle of the table. You are trading hands with another player, but also there is a color on there that tells you that now this starting silver silver dragon that's in the middle of the table, that color that's on that card that you just played, the action card, now that dragon is that color. So it switches the color of that dragon. It was a, you know, any color card. Now it's this color card, whether yep. it be whatever, blue, green, whatever. Yep, once the very first action card is played. Correct. And so as you play action cards, the that starting silver dragon continues to change colors that's right that's right yeah it's 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 cool but yes 
action cards, you could play the action card without changing the color. That's true. And I feel like that's something that we didn't do as much as maybe we should we, have. Well, but. we played it today and we didn't. Yeah. But when we played it the other few times that we played it, we did. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I did. Yeah. And if you do that, then I think, I believe all you do is talk about the action that you're going to do and put it under the discard pile. If there is no other card on the discard pile, then you can't do that. Yeah. But if you, if there are other discarded cards then you can um, say, yeah, I want to trade hands, but I'm going to keep the color of this dragon in the middle, the silver dragon. I want to keep it whatever the existing color is. Yeah, yeah. And so so now that you know like how the color on the action cards work, I'll talk, let's talk about the other actions you can sure. take. So you talked about like switching goals. So like if you... Well, actually, it's not switching goals. There's either trading goals or there's rotating goals. Yep. So I'll talk about the trading goals. So if you want to trade a goal, you actually just pick another player. Or if you're playing a certain amount of players, you would actually pick a goal that's unused. And you would uh, blindly you would blindly switch that goal there. So it's a good way to kind of like if you feel like, you know, okay, I have a gold dragon and I don't have any gold dragon cards and it feels like no one's really playing anything, that's a good way to kind of, you know, switch it up and get yourself in a better position. Or everybody knows what my color dragon is. I want to, I'm not getting what I want and I don't want anyone to know what color dragon I'm trying to, kind of what my goal is or what color I'm going for. I'm going to trade blindly with that those face-down goals. Yeah. Or you can steal it for somebody else because they're doing really good on their goal. And you're like, you know what? You've got six green dragons. I'm going to take that green dragon goal because I know that's what you're doing. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to possibly make the win that way. Yeah, because you haven't figured out. And then when you take it and then you realize they're really not going for green. That would stink. Yes, that would stink. Yeah. So there's that one. There's rotating, which the whole group rotates their goal to the left to the left if you're playing like what we've played we played three players so if you rotate to the left anyone who is sitting next to the goals that are face down that aren't used they would rotate into an unused or they would put their goal into the unused and another player would take from the unused so there is one player who will have a goal that no one knows what it is potentially so that's pretty cool. There's zap a card. Yeah, what do you do when you zap a card? What you do is any of the cards that are played out on the table already that that anybody's laid out, you can take the card and you can zap it. And basically you're taking it and you're putting it into your hand. Yeah. So you could do this to like manipulate somebody if you know that they're going to be winning soon. You could do this to, it's basically stealing the card. But remember, when you play this card, you could zap the card and change the color of the dragon and the silver dragon in the middle, or you could just play zapping a card and take that card and put it in your hand. That's right. Yep. yep. Another action you can do is moving a card. So you can take anything that's been played out on the table and move it to any other spot, manipulating the card however you want. So like it doesn't have to sit how it was sitting on the table. You can actually rotate it to however you like, as long as it's within the placement, the rules. placement parameters. Yep. Yep. 
And then the last action card would be trading hands. So we talked about trading goals with someone else, but you actually physically trade your hand with someone else. So you just select one person and you say, eh, I don't like the cards I have in my hand. I don't have the the um, colored dragon that I'm trying to collect. I hope they do. And the two of you trade your hands. All right, so that's it for the action. So then we kind of talked about it, get to the end. Basically, you're first person to get seven dragons in a row, basically. Connected, connected as yeah. a chain. Yeah, not yeah. in a row, connected as a chain, is the winner. Yeah. So that's well, pretty much. We both did, <laughs> yeah. So what do we think about Seven Dragons? You want to go first? Sure. I loved it. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Oh, you didn't even give the scale. No, I don't even. Scale, whatever. You don't even give a crap. Yeah, so you know what? If you've heard us in the past, you know our scale. I think I actually think this is a collection keeper. I really dig it. Like, I could play this anytime. It's one of those that I love fantasy games, even if it's like this. Like, you could literally re-theme this with like anything and call it you know whatever you know you can call it like cute little gnomes seven or, fairies yeah exactly or you could call we it we would never do that seven puppy doggies we would never do that no we wouldn't but uh yeah the art is amazing larry elmore classic love it the jockeying for position and stuff like that with the trading of the goals and being able to do certain things with the action cards and how the layouts go and stuff like that it's it's a lot of fun i really dig it you know it's just one of those that just i mean i don't really i feel like we've we really didn't have to talk about it all that much because it's just so simple of a game you know and there's some complexity to it because you're again you're just trying to Try to find out way, ways to kind of outwit your opponent and stuff like that, whether it be, you know, again, like I said, trading goals and hands and all using those action cards to their your best ability and stuff like that. And it doesn't feel like it gets old. Like, I, I feel like I could play this a million times and it I would still play it again. It's like one of those, like, like when you used to play card, like if you, if you did, like if when you used to play card games with like your family and stuff like that, if you played like, you know, like, you know, rummy or something like that it just feels very i don't know very easy to do very easy to win and and i don't know just a great great overall game to play with anybody regardless if they're younger or older what do you think well since we aren't really going with the scale well you kind of did i would have to agree with you that sounded like i was questioning my decision <laughs> but i really wasn't i feel like this game will hit our um, table again quite often, mm -hmm. partially because it's a really good filler game. Mm -hmm. And this is a good game also because it's smaller, more compact. I think it will be a nice one to tuck into a bag or a purse or something like that. If you're going somewhere, it, it has potential to not take up too much space depending on how crazy everybody gets with their um, placement of the cards and layout and stuff like that. But I just think that with the action cards that they have in place and things like that, it doesn't get old because you might think somebody is going to come out with a win. Like that happened today when we were playing. And then all of a sudden somebody completely manipulates the movement. Yeah. And that's nobody's color dragon anymore. Or 
they zapped a card from somebody or moved a card or, you know, something like that. So I think the, that having the action cards there are vital for this game. And I think that's great. Fantasy really isn't my cup of tea necessarily, but I think that's okay. I don't think that it really matters. I think some of the colors on the cards and stuff like that really kind of get pique my interest because they're some of them are kind of bright. And I think the art is cool. I just, I'm not super into dragons and uh, fantasy and things like that, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, we're not having to act out <laughs> anything, thank God, or anything like that. So I don't think that matters. And this game also seems like it's really easy one to be able to teach anybody. Yeah. We learned it, we played it as two players, and then we turned around and taught it to Logan like right away. And he got it right away. And just, I think it's easy enough for a gateway gamer to play, but also has enough strategy for it to be a filler gamer, filler gamer, filler game for in between like maybe a heavier game or something like that. So I think they did a really good job. And I would not even hesitate to recommend this to somebody else. Yeah. And as far as like, in terms of how old this game, this game is, in board game terms, ancient. It's from 2011. Yeah, 10 years old. Yeah, and it's it's one of those, you know, when you think of Looney Labs, you think of all the Flux games that they have. And they've got some other games too, like your Pyramid games and stuff like that. But for me, I actually hadn't heard of Seven Dragons until they asked if uh, we wanted to review this game, which is... Funny because then when we played it, then other people are like, oh, I remember this game. I love this well, game. Well, and I think they're trying to bring this one back, mm-hmm. like, to the forefront for people to kind of potentially reminisce or to have knowledge of it, too. Randomness, too, as I picked up the front uh, cover of this box, one of my first comments when we got this box or this game to review and I opened it was... They have like little finger divots in the top cover of the box um, so that it's easier to pull up the top cover when you're opening the game. And I love that. Why don't they have that in big box games, do you think? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe because I think snotty people. Okay, I'm just kidding. But I, I think that maybe some people wouldn't like that, but... You know how sometimes it's hard to get a cover off of a box because of the, like, maybe the air suctioning between the two, like, the bottom and the top? Like, that was one of the first things I noticed, and I think I said it to you. Look at this. (laughs) Like, it was like a silly, cheap thrill. So uh, kudos, Looney Labs, because that was a really funny, cheap thrill for me. (laughs) That's right. And I just remembered it when I looked at the top cover. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's a game that we can recommend to just about anybody. Again, you don't have to necessarily like the theme to play. It's yep. very easy to learn, easy to play. Easy to transport. Yep. Uh, I would even I would even go as far as to put an MFG cast recommends on it. Like, yeah. I would, yeah, anybody. And, the, and I think this game is very affordable, too. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of different places you can get it. I'm going to look on their site. No, I'm sure you can find it very affo- very affordable on the sites where you grab games. Or at your local game store. That's true. So there. Yeah. There is a local game store plug. That's right. Go get it. Represent. 
Yeah. So again, we thank Looney Labs for allowing us the opportunity to review yet another one of your wonderful games. Definitely. Um, we really appreciate um, the trust you instill in us um, to provide this review. That's right. That sounded very professional. That was very professional. Wow. I was very impressed. I know. Be <laughs> impressed, everybody. Be impressed. Um, if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Tell p- anybody that you know about it. Please get the word out if you don't mind, because we don't mind getting more ears on it, because we love talking about games, and we love you listening to us talk about them. Yeah. So thank you. So until next time, I'm Kurt. And I'm Tracy. And this was the MFG Cast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.